Hello, I'm Diana Edwards. This is Our Stories, Conversations on Conscious Living and Dying. All of these stories are courageous journeys of self-awareness and healing, often told by guests who have never been interviewed before. While each story is unique to the individual, these beautiful stories remind us that the human experience is a collective experience. And so, the wisdom you will hear and feel can speak to us all. Welcome to Our Stories. So this is part two of Krista's interview. She's here talking about her experiences growing up in Germany and then her early experiences with death with her father, her grandfather. And then after you moved to America and you married your wonderful husband, Steve, you were just sharing with us his sudden death. He was a rock climber and fell and died instantly. Is that correct? Yeah. Died instantly. And where we left off in the last story, you had just had a beautiful four days of of viewing for him where people could come and say goodbye and see the body, which, if I'm correct, you said was very therapeutic because it was such a shock to everyone that being able to see him made it more real. And you ended on how you then went to cremate him And I love the next part of this story because you are a very vivid dreamer. You have very much been able to do that your whole life. And you said he started showing up in your dreams, especially around the notion that you had or were about to cremate him. Could you share, pick up the story there? Sure. Um, He he was cremated. And the next night... um, he came into my dream and he was really angry with me. He said, why did you cremate me? Why, why did you do that? And I said, honey, I couldn't keep you any longer. You, you were really, you know, they, they put you on ice. And I was describing it to him. And, you know, after a while, you just kind of fall apart. And he says, yeah, but I, uh, I have to say we, we had a piece of wood that was hanging uh, between the kitchen and the living room. And if you're a climber, you practice um, pulls, not just with your whole hand, but you practice them with every finger so you can really pull yourself up on the mountain. And he was practicing every night. So in my dream, he says, I was able to pull, my, I just got the last finger down. I was able to pull my off with every finger and you burnt me. I was finally strong. And I thought, oh my God, he might not know he's dead. And so I explained to him what happened. I explained to him that he fell and that he died and that I had to make different decisions and that I couldn't bring him back to life and that he, he was cremated. And then the dream was over. Was this a lucid dream? Very lucid. So you really felt yourself really in the conversation? I really felt in the conversation. Uh, I knew I was talking to him. Yeah, it was very lucid and it was very real. So after that, you said he didn't come back again regard in your dreams regarding why you did this. So no. you brought him some level or his soul or spirit, some yeah. level of peace that you are on the other side now, which in a lot of cultures, they do talk about souls that they feel can get stuck not knowing they really have died. Well, you imagine when you die in a war or you, you, you know, you just, yeah, when you die suddenly, I think sometimes, I don't know how it works. Really, but I can just imagine what a what a shock it is, and you're not if you're not conscious in that moment, thinking about death, and you're just gone. 
what do you do with that? And that topic is one that you can read a lot about in Tibetan literature. Mm -hmm. And I'm not familiar with all the others, but the notion that a soul may need assistance realizing it has died or, or not the soul's died, but the body's died mm-hmm. and that they have crossed over. Yeah. So that was, that's very interesting. You had that dream with him. And then that was it for a while. And you went on your grieving journey in the sense of finding out who you were. Yeah, I actually dreamed about him a lot. Oh, okay. Those continued. The dreams kept on coming. But not about him being upset with you cremated. No, no, no. He took me on trips. Like one night he came and he always wanted to go to uh, Argentina's to the... Patagonia? Patagonia. That was his dream. So he picked me up one night and he says, let's go to Patagonia. I said, honey, that's not really possible. That's far away. And and so I just remember there was my little Subaru outside with a big sled on it. The next thing we're in the mountains and sliding around in uh, the Patagonia. And so in the dream, you took your Subaru yeah. to Patagonia yes. that was out in the driveway. I yeah. love that. Well, and, why not? And I said, this is impossible. He says, everything is possible now. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's just all possible. So, and then I went, I remember uh, short after I went down to uh, Belize and he visited me, uh, I would go in the orchard and he was, and he says, oh, let's, let's go for a walk. I mean, every night they were, I don't know if it was every night, but I had many, many, many dreams uh, um, uh, about him and talking to him. And, and it seemed like he was getting better, feeling better and better and better in, in the state he was in. Now, why do you think these lucid dreams were so easy for you with him? Because I know a lot of people say, I wish my dead father, mother, what child would come to me in a dream. And other people have those dreams. And I don't ever have any sense that there's a reason why this person can and this person can't. Do you, did you get a sense of why this was such a fluid experience for you at night with him? I don't know. I'm still surprised about it because with my mom, I had three dreams and they were really profound too, but that was it. <laughs> and, you know, mom I had in. a really like- good friend passed a couple of years ago. And I mean, I talked to him all the time. I said, would you move something? Would you, you know, is there something you can do so I know you hear me and and nothing, you know? <laughs> okay, so you've got both sides of this. Both sides okay. of it. I, I don't think this, um, I just think it's just how it... It uh, just was with you too. It, that was with us too. So not to take you too far off because these dreams are just beautiful. So you want to tell us why you went to Belize? That was interesting. You were... That was very interesting. I had a really, I had a... Um, a massage practice and an herbal practice and people would come and everybody was shocked. So the thing is you start, when something like that happens, it affects the whole community around you. And he was very loved. Um, He was a therapist too. So people would look, I would go in a cafe or a restaurant and everybody's head would go to the side. Oh, oh, Krista, how are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? People, I would try to work and people would cry on my table about my loss. And there was a place where I just could, I didn't feel comfortable with anymore. That there was everywhere I would go, people would, you know, it was wonderful. I mean, they were feeling for me, they were feeling for him. But it was very hard to, to, to after like four or five months to, you know, live a normal life, make money, have a, so... I had a job offer to go to Belize and um, meet this wonderful lady, Rosita Avigo, and they were creating a product line, and they asked me if I could help with the scent with the product line. 
And I thought, yes, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to go somewhere where nobody knows me. And I'm going to tell anybody what happened to me. I just needed a break. Um, and so I did. I went down there. I, in the beginning, I didn't tell anybody. And, and it was kind of, it gave me a breather and it gave me really time to, um, to grief my way. So can I, as the therapist here, ask you to help our audience with a teaching point? Because what you just explained about how people treated you and all around the grief, you know, they, they almost made you sadder because they were so connected to the sadness they were imagining you were experiencing. Is that about a correct yeah, assessment? Yeah, and they bring you food and they come to your house and they clean your house. And we don't have that in, in Germany. They kind of leave you alone in Germany here. It's almost like, oh, let's drink wine together. Let eat. And I thought. So with that, I mean, you thoroughly saw the good intentions, mm -hmm. but it was too much for you. It was too much for me. So what could we tell people? What could, now that you're, you know, wiser and further along, what could someone say to their friends? Because this is about also empowering people with new ways of saying, this is what I need for my grief. What would you have wished you could have said to those friends if you didn't have the option of going to Belize and having some space? Really just saying that I need space and for the friends not to take it personally. If you don't, if you don't talk for a week, if you don't want to talk to anybody, if you don't want to answer any phone calls, you might listen to the phone calls of your friends saying, hey, I'm there for you, let me know, but not to be attached that the person will call you back. It might take a week or two. It doesn't mean they don't love you. But they they just need time. The, the grieving person needs time to be by themselves. And but knows? you appreciated the because at the same yes. time I that's it's such a dance, isn't it? Grief is such a dance. Somebody might be left alone too long and really needs somebody to check in with them and so forth. So well, I, you're never totally alone. There's always the close close people that are mm -hmm. with you. My girlfriends were there. I had a support group. But it's like the, the, when it gets too big. It just was too many. It was too many. And I loved, in the end, people wrote me notes. We don't write anymore. I know I had we a, don't. I had a bucket full of, even like, I had a little $100 bills. I found them like sometimes six months later. <laughs> you know, <laughs> little gifts for people. Go have a nice dinner. And little things like that. And the notes, I still have them. And once in a while, I read them. And... The biggest thing that happened, too, is the person that went climbing that day, my husband taught her how to climb. Um, we never really talked about it. I, that's one thing I still, I don't know. But she wrote her whole experience down. And I read it right after, and it, it was too much. But I found it recently, this little book, and I read it. And it was like, it made me even understand more what she went through witnessing that. Because really, the most traumatic part is to be a part of seeing a good friend right Fall. there pass. And she had to hike back and get help. And, and I think of her often and her how courageous she was, how big she had to be to carry that responsibility. So we want to encourage people to reach out to their friends during these times. Yes. But not expect necessarily a lot of phone calls back and, you know, you might just, you like the comfort of knowing they're there. And also all these beautiful notes and all. Yes. That just is so touching. I mean, I, I'm just trying to envision reading, what has it been like 24 years now? Later, 
this woman give you her account of the moment she saw your husband die mm-hmm. and could do nothing. And you get to now have that at a time of peace mm-hmm. and greater healing. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, even recently, a few things have come up to mm-hmm. what you called the residue of grief. Mm-hmm. You've had a few little bits of residue, even though you haven't done enormous work around this, come up recently and be a little last healing bit. Mm-hmm. We might end on the residue in a minute, how you healed a residue grief as a new term. <laughs> but I'd like you to go back to Belize. So thank you for giving the listeners a little insight onto how it's okay to ask for what you need. And also for the listeners to know, do what you can, reach out. And not have judgment. If that person needs to, you know, I, I told you that one story. It's like three months after my husband died, I was invited to my friend's Chris, um, birthday party. Little boy turned three. I went there, I got him a little tent. I was building the tent. It was laughing. I actually put a nice dress on. First time I put a little makeup on because he looked like a ragamuffin after something like that happened. You don't really think about yourself. You know, you don't eat, you don't. So that day I felt like, oh, I'm going to go to this children party. And there was this lady. I don't even remember her name. She goes, didn't your husband just die? I said, yeah, he died three months ago. Well, you got over it fast. Look at you. And I thought, how there she says that. So you heard pure judgment, like you, yeah, you're I was not supposed, supposed to, to behave a certain way. I wasn't supposed to be happy, and and I was telling you, like in in Germany, they have this like for one year they give you one year to wear two different pairs of socks, to you know <laughs> to 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 have bad hairdo, you know one year people just don't judge you and leave you alone because your husband died or a loved one died, and in that moment I go wow people have certain images of what you're supposed to do and be when somebody dies. Um, so it was kind of like a, it was like very interesting. I got a lot of spiritual advice, which book I should read, what I need to do. That was another kind of section of uh, where people just kind of pr- pray for your loved one. If you had somebody that goes through something like that. But uh, what I realized too, the, the advice people give you is kind of wh- how, how they stand with death how they're dealing with death and what they think death is to them. And then they have to share that. And I think, well, you should do that because I feel, you know, when somebody dies, you need to do that. And I thought, wow. And I was young too, you know, I mean, I wasn't that young, but it's still, I wanted to hear advice because I, I, but then it got pretty intense. I, I was, ha- that part made me, encouraged me too to just go away for so going to Belize was a really healthy thing you yeah. did for yourself. Yeah, just to step out of it and, you know, and and um, and have some time for me and lots of birds and plants and just feel nature. I mean, that's the greatest thing that helped me through all of that is to go for walks, be in nature and not talking. And then the, the, the cereal thing was I went home. And I looked at my fridge, I looked at my pantry, and I go, wow, what was mine? You merge so much with a person. When, 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 uh, when somebody passes you live with, it's like suddenly you, uh, an arm is missing. So is this before Belize? This is before okay, so Belize. so you kind of started looking around the house that yep. you shared and said, yep. you know, I guess you're thinking, what do I clean out? What do I keep? And you go to the refrigerator and the food pantry, and you're seeing all these food products that you bought together 
and you're trying to remember, did you buy them because he liked them? Because yep. you guys were together and you were a very yep. close couple. Yeah. Okay. I just want to add that part in for the yep. audience. So you, you kind of go, God, do I like this or not? So you kind of, it's almost like you have to energetically kind of find yourself again. Because here now you, you're alone, you know, and, and, and so. So what did you do with the cereal? boxes How did i that... guess i ate it all <laughs> and then just didn't buy it again if it wasn't yeah, your favorite if it wasn't mine yeah but it's it just made me think about how we we stay individuals i mean a healthy relationship you stay individual but then something a third happens you 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 have a a, a third the relationship, person, the relationship is its own itself. energy yes yeah. so you also said like you decided to redo the house i totally redid the house there's a few things he didn't want to do and i thought okay i'm gonna put wooden floors everywhere and it kept me, yeah, it kind of kept me busy because that's a tendency after somebody, but, you know, you kind of want to occupy yourself. It's good to be by yourself and go for walks, but then a, a new project, something fresh, like something beautiful to And create. you're creating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're creating. And that's just really helped me. So when did the dreams start up again with... Your husband, I know you had them repeatedly, but when did they start up with him bringing the surprise guests in the dream? That was, I had one, I know not exactly when it was, but it was like three, four months after he passed. I had this dream. I was in this beautiful garden. It was all pastel colors. And he wasn't there, but this little boy walks up to me with a with a purple rose. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know purple, roses grow in purple. And I said, well, who are you? And he goes, I'm, my name is Nikolai. I said, wow, what a beautiful name. And he said, well, um, you gave me this name. Uh, I'm, your, I'm your child. And I said, well, that, that sounds interesting. And in my dream, I thought, well, I'm dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, and my husband died, and I, I never had a child. He says, well... I was your potential child. You were trying to have children, and you, if, if my father didn't die, you would have birthed me. I thought, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. And then out of the bushes is a little girl coming out. And I said, well, who is she? And she said, well, she's your daughter, Joy. I said, really? And, and I was so amazed. And I said, well, how does that work? And I said, well, we, we didn't have to be birthed to be your children. You know, we wanted to come through you, but it wasn't possible, but we are still your children. I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing. So I let that be. I wrote it down in detail because it was so beautiful. The colors, the children, they looked like me and Steve. And then I let it go. And I thought that was just a really beautiful, profound dream. And then way down, like a year later, I'm... I'm in, a, in the kitchen, and the kitchen has like a window, and somehow there's a beautiful ocean. I'm somewhere at a, at a beach. Now, this house, is in the dream? In my dream. In the dream, you're at the ocean uh -huh. in this house. And I look out, and there's Steve walking with Nikolai and Joy along the beach. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And I run out there, and I said, Steve, what are you guys doing here? You're not, you died. You're not a, you know, I mean, I'm trying to grasp why I'm having this dream. And he said, well, he says, um, I just wanted to let you know that we're all leaving. We're going to go to a different part of the, um, and he didn't say university. We're just leaving. We're going to go away, far away. And we will not be dreaming about me anymore or all of us. 
And I said, and you will be together? And he said, yeah, we'll be together. We're family. And I thought, wow, that's cool. And that was it. Never dreamt about him again, not once. I don't, I just have to sit with that. You know, that's just so profound. And before he left, we were, you know. You were trying to have children right before he died. Yep. So it was like, you know, it was just, wow, there's this really beautiful. And it gave a lot of peace to um, a lot of levels of me. And it does speak to the notion of, you know, parallel lives, parallel energies, universes that are very much, you know, in the forefront of conversation today. Are we existing in different dimensions of time or space? And there's a lot of comforting energy yeah, I'm yeah. hearing as you say that. Is that how you perceive these dreams? Absolutely. They made me think. I never thought, oh, that's not true or this or that. I just opened up to that magic and that really anything is possible. And, and um, that if that energy of the dream already gave me comfort, it was, it was medicine, it was healing, and it was important. And I never questioned any of the dreams. I just saw them as gifts um, for my healing. Well, it's one of the many traits I admire about you is you don't judge, you discern. And I'm just such a big fan of the power of discernment. And you let it be for the experience it was. You didn't chase it. You just let it be for the experience it was. And you took the healing from that. And as you said to me, it opened you to the magic of life. And just to honor that we told our audience, we were going to talk a little bit about this new term called residue grief, (laughs) (laughs) which you brought up to me recently. So 20 years gone by. Yeah. And you're feeling really at peace. You've moved on. Your life is beautiful. And then... When did you start noticing residue grief with Steve? It's not that long. A couple of weeks ago, I have a wonderful therapist, and I'm allowed to say her name, um, uh, Anne Milliken. She's a Tibetan doctor, and she worked on me, and she was working on my body, and she goes, you know, she says, well, I can feel something in you. It's like there was a time, did you ever think about children? And I said, yeah, I actually did. You know, I said, but then Steve passed. And she says, well, there's still a little, she actually noticed it. She says, you know, sometimes the women are so receptive and, you know, memories stay sometimes even in our female organs. And she says, you know, I, I think it's time to clear all that up because that's just not possible anymore. And you're still, you know, holding on to a little bit of that. And I said, I'm open to that, you know. Um, and so she really helped me, you know, even having, knowing that that's a possibility. And then within a week, I um, talked to a friend of Steve's that, um, that lives in town. He's a great herbalist. And, uh, and I was able to ask questions about Steve and just kind of meeting him. And I didn't see him for 20 years. So he kind of appeared in my life, came back into my life. And, the friend of your husband's? Yeah. And so that was just wonderful that he was remembered by him so kindly. And it made me happy that, you know, there's actually somebody out of the past coming into my life right now. I'm actually doing a, um, an herbal walk with him for four days in, uh, in two weeks with a few of my friends. And then a friend of mine said, oh, 
uh, for your new website. Let's take some pictures. And, and so he says, there's this beautiful canyon I want to take you to. So we go, go up to Los Alamos down to the, what is that called? The caldera? The caldera. Caldera. Yeah. And Which for people around. who don't know, it's the inside of an old, old, old volcano. Huge mountain. And they're lush and green and they Gorgeous. have rivers and hills. Yeah. So it's called a caldera. We have a beautiful one here in New Mexico. Yeah. Lots of beauty in New Mexico. And so we go a little earth further and I go, no, I can't believe it. So he says, there's the canyon. And it's a canyon that when I used to climb, we used to go there all the time. It's full of mount, little mounts and you climb and it's this lush little canyon. You think you're in Ireland when you walk in there with a river. So we spent the afternoon there and he took some pictures and... And I walked in there, and that was our favorite place to go. And I didn't revisit you this. You and Steve. Mine and Steve's favorite place and to go. And he did not know that no, when no, he no, took no. you there. Yeah, he didn't know anything about my husband, you know, nothing. And so I walked in there, and it was almost like a celebration. It's like, wow, we used to come here. I used to be, you know, we used to climb here. I could never do this again. And it was just fun to go there and see the beauty. And I came home, and I just... I was full of gratitude. I thought, wow, I was so lucky to spend this time with him that I had this time. Time with, this with Steve. Steve. This beautiful, You're all the yes, time. all the, and it was totally completed, you know, and I thought, yeah, there was a little residue and it was just kind of brought up and life goes on and there is healing. And the beauty of it is that I can just remember him in this beautiful, human being that I was allowed to walk with for a while. And a lot happened since then, but I have that memory. And the person who took you to this spot did not know your husband? No, doesn't even know. No, nothing. So somehow he was guided to drive you and it's a good two hours from here. It's not someplace you would just accidentally fall upon. It just feels like a completion. Total completion. Your husband, who is now on the other side, wanted you to remember this beautiful place that you shared together. Yeah. After all that time. So it's not like all that time. So I think we're surprised about this, but this is how should life be all the time. You know, that's one thing I learned in Belize is that in there's so much magic and there's so much of it. I mean, we surprised somebody called and go, oh, I thought of you and you called me. That's a little thing. You know, this this world is full of so many amazing possibilities and we just, we, we're afraid, we don't engage, we don't even believe it's possible. And so when you're around people that believe that should be possible all the time, it awakens that in you. And I encourage people to, you know, open up to their dreams, you know, there's different practices they can do and just open up to the magic of life. Krista, thank you so much. That's absolutely a beautiful place to leave us with after this incredible story you just shared with us. Thank you. Thank you, Diana, for inviting me. And it was very interesting. You invited me a couple of weeks ago, and I told you a few things I wanted to talk about, and it really fired something because I start looking at old pictures. I thought about all the people that died in my life. And, and it made it more like a, yeah, like a celebration to remember them. And I thought about the, um, the holiday that's coming up for the Hispanic. The Day of the Dead? The Day of the Dead. 
I thought about that because it's, it's, you know, remembering them is in a way keeping them alive for us and honoring them. So I think it's really important. I feel it's very important. The work that you're doing is, is, um, means a lot to me. So thank you very much, Diana. Well, thank you for being here. Great words of wisdom. 